Amen. Did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? Oh, good. Mashed potatoes were the best part? Just kidding. Some of you guys like vegetables and green beans and ugh. I like the dinner rolls and the mashed potatoes, if that gives you any indication to my palate. Uh, well, hey, good to be with you guys online. My name is Johnny. I get to uh, serve on staff here, and it, it's just a joy. Uh, you know, when I think about the last three years, uh, how many of you guys have had someone who's close to you move away? Just raise your hand. I mean, that's, that's probably a hundred of us. Uh, you know, in 2018, so before COVID, uh, you know, I remember a, a specific get-together that we had for, for my friend Austin, who was my best buddy, and he was moving across the country. And, and that night, I just had so many emotions. You know, you're trying to be there, and you're like, you're celebrating, yay, you're moving on, but the primary emotion that I had was actually kind of like sorrow. <laughs> Uh, you felt a little lonely, you, you felt afraid, you felt worried. You're like, man, who's going to fill this void? And I've got like 45 friends sitting right here, so they're, they're all amazing. Right? But you have, this one, you have this one person, and they're moving away. And when I think about this text that we're in, you imagine if that one person was your savior, your rabbi, uh, the emotions, the, the tensions that you would be feeling. Uh, that they're leaving you. And the one thing that they lack, they're filled with worry, but the one thing that they lack is confidence. And so today we're going we're to be looking about why Jesus is so significant to our confidence. And it's this word alone that's going to be super important as we look today. And so here's the main idea that we're looking at. Confidence in all of life, any area, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, the real confidence, the authentic confidence that we long for comes from Jesus alone. So if you guys want to open your Bible, if you still go old school, how many of you guys go old school out there? Yeah, there we go, it's my people. All right, as I don't have my old school Bible. All right. If you're not, just read along with me. We're in John, we're going to finish chapter 13 and we're going to Start chapter 14. It says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, one of the most famous texts in the Bible, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Let's pray. God, we've got a lot of things on our plate. 
a lot of things to potentially worry about in life, a lot of things that distract us, a lot of things that fill us with worry instead of confidence. And so God, my prayer this morning is that you would fill us with confidence because of our connection and our understanding to you alone. So thank you for being so gracious to this church and to me. I'm thankful that you've moved, so continue to do so. Amen. All right, we're going we're to jump right into Peter. Uh, I think Peter really gets a, a bad rap for this situation. Because he comes in, and like Peter, you know Peter, he's bold. You know Peter, he's going to say whatever's on his mind, whatever's on his heart. But I think he's actually missing this one piece right here, and this is our first main idea is the foundation of our confidence is actually the fact that Jesus alone prepares the way. And so as we look at Peter's story, I actually think Peter's denial has more to do with Jesus than it even does Peter in his heart. So let's look at this text. It says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you, what's that word? Cannot. That's a strong word. Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. And like Peter, I ain't bold. No, I'll lay down my life for you. But he missed it. Jesus said, no, 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 Peter. I appreciate your passion. I appreciate your love. But what's about to happen, you actually can't be a part of this. And so I'm just going to set the tone for this night. You guys know they're, they're celebrating Passover. So you imagine 12 guys all celebrating what? They're celebrating the fact that God, years ago, protected and saved their people. How? By the blood of a lamb. Put it over the doorposts. You can imagine they're having conversations. Jesus is in the room sitting at the table. They're all reclining. And they're like, how cool is God that he would do such a thing? Man, he would wash over us by the blood of the lamb. So cool. And Jesus is sitting there like, yep, <laughs> that is pretty cool. But if you remember, what, what, what did John the Baptist call him when he saw him first? He said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist, I don't know how much he really got in that moment, but he calls him the Lamb of God. And it's no accident that it's Passover when this long night is happening. So they're in this room talking about the blood of the Lamb. But this is the point is, Peter, you can't follow me because I'm the sacrifice. And I got to accomplish this alone. So I love your passion, Peter. But this can't be the way. I'm going to go alone to the cross. And it's almost like he's flipping the question. And he's like, Peter, who's laying their life down for who? I actually, amidst your passion, I think you actually have it backwards. See, this whole blood of the lamb thing, this whole thing that we're celebrating, that's going to happen through me. So it's actually me who's going to lay my life down for you. And that's the foundation of our confidence. There's so much to be thankful for. You got good food, you got family, I got some family back in town. 
Some of you guys have seen people that you haven't been able to see in a long time. But this right here is the foundation of all of our thanksgiving and all of our hope is the fact that Jesus alone prepares the way. So we're going to get into this next section in John where, where we got to talk about what does this confidence in action look like? You guys remember Hebrews? How many of you guys were here in Hebrews? That was a long, what was that, 2016? I don't have a good memory. It was a long time ago. But we made these awesome shirts, the Jesus Blue Snotting shirts. How many of you guys wore one of those in public and had people like, uh, why are you wearing a shirt about snot? <laughs> I love these shirts. They were so fun. It got, got a ton of people to look at them. But, but this was the foundation of all of Hebrews, was Jesus plus absolutely nothing, it equals everything. So yes, Jesus blue snot hing might be silly, but it was this awesome reminder that this really is the foundation of our confidence, is Jesus plus nothing. So what does this confidence look like when we go into action? Because here's the reality. We, we, we can say, I can say up front, oh, just be confident in Jesus. Right? But these guys, during this night, what's happening is they understand their rabbi is leaving and potentially dying. This is what they're worried about. You see the question Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? We had a good thing going. Why you got to leave now? It's been an awesome three years. You're doing everything. We're cheering you on. It's been really cool. Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you can't follow me now, but you will follow afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. How many of you guys, when your kids get worried, they ask a lot of questions? Dad, are we there yet? Dad, what's happening today? Where are we going next? What are we eating? You guys have kids like that? Oh, I, I think I can be like that. Where I, if I start to get worried, I just start to ask question after question after question. But this is their primary concern. This is why their hearts are troubled is they understand their rabbi, their teacher is leaving. And at least Peter really gets, I think he's going to die. And for us, the reality is there's a lot to be worried about, potentially. I know we just had Thanksgiving. We got so much to be thankful for, but look at this list. How many of you guys in the last week alone have worried about one of those things on that list? I think a lot of us. And it takes up our thinking, it takes up our emotions, takes up our energy, and these are typically the things that can consume us. So what does it look like to have confidence in the midst of these things? What's Jesus' response to their worry? Believe me. Trust God and trust me. So simple. I sometimes wish it would be a little bit more complicated than that. But this is what he says to them. You have this whole conversation of them being worried and then Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. You know, it's cool. You have this, 
this picture of them talking about the Passover. So you have, they're talking about God. They're talking about how good God has been. They're talking about how trustworthy God is. And Jesus says, just as much as you have trusted God, just as much as you've believed in him, believe in me. You want your heart to not be troubled? Oh, trust me with the thing that you're worried about. So we got to ask the question, if it is this easy, just believe. Right? Sometimes when you're in like a situation and you want answers, just believe. How many of you would that cut it? Oh, like, no, no, thank you, but can you at least tell me what to do? And so he, he's actually going to unpack in the next six verses or so. Man, what, what does he actually want us to believe? So that our hearts might not be troubled and that we can actually live a life that's full of confidence. And he starts here. He's the great comforter. Think about this night. When Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. Think about the night and the rhythm of the night. In less than 24 hours, what's going to happen? Jesus is going to be betrayed. Jesus is going to be persecuted. Jesus is going to physically be crucified. And Jesus is going to take on the entire wrath of God. If there's anyone in this room of 12 who ought to be troubled in their heart, who is it? It's Jesus. Yet who's the one who's comforting the others? <laughs> it's Jesus. And if Jesus, knowing full well what's about to happen, can comfort these guys in this situation, I think we can draw great confidence in the fact that Jesus is the best comforter in the world. Because never again will he be facing a situation more troubling than what he's about to face on this night. So therefore, our, some of our confidence, it's got to be found in Jesus being able to comfort us. The next one is this. He goes... Let not your hearts be troubled. There's already a room for you in my Father's house. There already are in my Father's house are, not will be, are many rooms. Now, why is this significant? I think it's significant because this means that God's already had this plan. This whole crucifixion thing, this whole Jesus going to die, abandoning them, this isn't an accident. In my Father's house are many rooms, which means this has always been the plan, and what I'm about to do has a big role in you having a place. Now, when I've read this text, you know, my going is my preparing. If you look at the words of this, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? It can kind of sound like Jesus is a maid. Or like he's a carpenter and he's building your house. You know, like maybe for me, it's like, oh, he's making like a super cool sports room in the side of my super cool mansion. Maybe he's dusting off the tables. He's making the bed, tucking the sheets. Like, no, that's not the way in which he's preparing. That's not what he's preparing. The room is already there. You already have a place with the Father. That's the confidence that we should draw from is you already have a place with the Father. 
So in, in one sense, his going, what he's about to accomplish, is his preparing. That's the only way in which he can make this room that already exists accessible. Is my going, what I'm about to do, that actually is the prep work so that you can be with the Father. And then he says, I'll come back. You know, when, when my buddy Austin left, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if I, I would really ever get to hang out with him on a consistent basis ever again. He was moving. His wife is a successful nurse. They were, he was uh, working at a church out there on the East Coast. And, and you have this tension of, man, are you ever going to come back? And so I love this. Jesus answers this for them. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. So Jesus is trying to fill these people, these 12 people that he's invested his life into, to give them some confidence that even though he's leaving, you guys don't need to be troubled. I'll comfort you. There's already a place for you. My going, even though it's scary right now, is actually the prep work. And now you have this. You actually do know the way. And then we get to this famous text in 14.6. You know, we've seen some of the I am statements that Jesus is, is really portraying himself to be God. And then he gives one of his most popular ones. In 14.6, he says, and Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. He's already talked about the way. They're talking about how do you get there? And Jesus says, I am the way. Now, when I think about controversial statements in the Bible, I think Jesus saying, I alone am the way, the truth, and the life is at the top of the list. Because I think in this culture in which we're living in, I, I think there's two primary responses to a text like this. And, and the first one is just simply, no. Jesus isn't the way. Come on, a guy who lived 2,000 years ago and you're going to put your entire eternity on him? Oh, well, indeed, yes, I am. But that's not a popular opinion. One guy? No, that can't be real. But this next one, I think, is an increasing view, which is, to me, potentially even scarier, and it's, Jesus is A-way. He's A-way. But how many religions are in the world? A few thousand? So you're going to tell me one out of a few thousand got it right? Come on, that's harsh. Theologically, that is harsh. Easy to maybe say in a church setting, but what if we put ourselves, and you're the only Christian, in a circle of 3,000, one person representing each religion? Man, that's a bold statement to say, unless you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, you don't get to go to heaven. <laughs> that is controversial. But what about all the people who do good? They do more good than bad in their life. They've gone to a church. They've been a part of a religion. They've sought to do nice things. They've given a lot of money. You know how many people in this world hold on to that as the way? 
But this is a statement. And for Christians, I think it's so significant because if God sent Jesus, who's all holy, all perfect, all powerful, the son of God, to die, and it wasn't necessary, I actually think that makes God someone I wouldn't really want to follow. So the fact that the Son of God has to die, it really gives great evidence and weight to the fact that this is the only way in which salvation can be accomplished. But this is an increasing view in our culture is, ah, that's cool, man. I am so glad that you love Jesus. It's just not for me, though. That's that's cool, man. You know, I I, I think I'll be in heaven, too. It's pretty cool. I, I can't wait to see you there. I mean, these are conversations that I have had. I was just playing pickleball. Nothing. Hey, let's go. I was just playing pickleball this last Tuesday night. I had an awesome conversation uh, with a Mormon. And, and he's involved in his church. I'm involved in my church. And we just had this awesome conversation. And I can't wait to ask him questions like this. You know, just trying, trying to not lay down the hammer on night one, just, uh, just trying to get to know him. right? But, but these are questions I can't wait to ask him is how, how do you get into heaven, man? And where do you draw that from? Right, but this is the foundation of all of our confidence is that Jesus alone is the way. And then he gives two more statements. He says, I am the way. And then he says, I am the truth. Now, when he says truth here, what, what I think he means is Jesus alone is the full expression of who God is. You you don't need to look anywhere else. So that means the things that he's said, the things that he's done, the things that he accomplishes, the miracles, it's all revealing God. He is the fullness of this truth. And this isn't new. John has actually been trying to get us to understand that. So I'm, in these next two, the truth and the life, I'm going to walk us through a couple texts in John where he's already pointed this out for us. And here we're going to see where Jesus reveals the truth of God. 118, no one has ever seen God, the God, the Father in heaven, the only God who is at the Father's side, Jesus. He has made him known. So no one's ever seen this guy. No one can perfectly reveal who this is except for the one who actually knows him. The one who's actually spent eternity at his side, the son of God. He says and does everything that the father would, that the father desires because they are inseparable. Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. So there's no separation in the way Jesus responds to the way the father would respond. There's no separation in terms of what the son is going to do versus what the father would have done. Every single thing, because he reveals the fullness of who God is, Jesus does. And you saw this in 114. The word became flesh. And you see this. He's full of grace and truth. This has been the point. Jesus, not only is he providing the way, but he's also providing the truth for who the Father is. And then he's the life. 
This is a huge theme in John. But this thrust of the only way you will find eternal life is through me. You see these alone. Jesus alone is the way. Jesus alone is the truth. And Jesus alone is the life. And there's a few texts where we've seen this. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And then we just saw this just before this night. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So this is just a little bit of my summary. If you want to have confidence, if you want your heart to not be troubled in any area of life that you are worried about, this is what I think the confidence is rooted in. Jesus is the only way for us to be saved. Jesus has revealed all the truth about God that we need to be saved, and Jesus alone provides us with eternal life. Now, this text has led me to uh, a different spot than I thought I would have gone. I I thought 14.6 was just going to be this main text that I focused on, and as I read it, uh, I actually became fascinated with this question of what's the destination you long for? Because I actually think this is a focus of Jesus. And and I don't think we necessarily think about this a lot, but but look at this text in 6 and 7. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you would have known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So what's the answer to this question for Jesus? What's the destination for Jesus? It's the Father. Now, he is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. We absolutely need to cling on to this. But this is wild. I know I'm not preaching through 14. But check this out. In these 14 verses, the word Father is used 13 times. And that's not including God. That's not including him in reference to the Father. This whole section is about God the Father being our destination and Jesus being the way. And I just had these two humbling questions that I kept working through all week. And the first one was this. Johnny, how much time do you actually spend thinking about heaven? Somebody just give me a a loose percentage of the time that you spend in your days thinking about heaven. I've got a number in my head. I'm just curious if if I line up. Give me a loose number. 2%. 2%. Yeah, that's, that's about where I was. Somewhere between one and five. Five for you really holy people. But guys, we, we really just don't spend, we got a lot of things to worry about. And this started to be a humbling question for me of, man, Johnny, how much time do you actually spend thinking about your destination? Heaven. And then as I read this text more and more, the second question became, now out of that 2%, which is already lower than I would like, I would like to think about heaven more. How much of that 2% do you think about it being reunited with the Father? And then I was like, maybe 5%. (laughs) That's a really low percentage of my time that I spend thinking about what drives Jesus to the cross. And if something drives the Son of God to the cross, and ultimately, it's being reunited with the Father, Now, it is saving us, 
But ultimately for him, it's being reunited with the Father. If that's what's driving him, and I'm spending 0.09% of my time thinking about that, oh, I was humbly encouraged <laughs> by the Spirit to think about it more. So this week, this is what we're going to commit to. If you want to join with me, I've got a funny story. This, I, I, this has become a spiritual discipline of mine. It's called uh, simple prayer. How many of you guys are prayer warriors out there where you could pray for like an hour straight and you're like, oh, that was awesome? All right, none of us. All right, uh, me either. <laughs> me either. Uh, so I'm going to give you a, just a, a funny story. Uh, you guys remember Will Robbins? Uh, Will was a, one of our youth pastors, and I got to work with him for a year. Now, Will was a prayer warrior. Uh, that man, if he knew you, almost every time he prayed, he prayed for you. So there was one time I'm in my office, sitting with Will, and I, it was the end of a meeting, so I'm like, man, I, I got to use the restroom. And he's like, can I pray? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you, this man prays for an hour straight, and, and, and he closed his eyes, thankfully, because throughout that time, I was on my knees, I was laying on my back, I was standing, because I had to go to the bathroom so bad. I'm standing up, I'm crouching down, and by the time that he ended his prayer, my hand was on the handle, ready to go, and he's like, amen, and I'm like, amen, bye. <laughs> I'm not like that. Here's a spiritual discipline that's helped me. It's called simple prayer. And what I do is I, I, I read a text like this, and I come up with a really short prayer that I commit to thinking about the rest of the day. So this, this is a simple prayer that, that I'm going to encourage us uh, to think about this week. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to express why it's been so helpful for me. And this, for this one, it says, Father, help me find my comfort in you alone. When you're only focused on like seven or eight words, what starts to happen is you say these eight words, you say these eight words, you say these eight words, but then what happens is your mind starts going off of these eight words, but it's the foundation of your thinking, right? And so you're starting with father. And so all of a sudden throughout my day, and I'm like, ah, oh, father, you're the destination. Ah, oh, I want you to be the one that I'm living for. Help me. Oh, yeah, you're right. I can't do this alone. I absolutely need you to intervene in my life. Find my comfort. Oh, I think I've been trying to find comfort in this, in distracting myself, in my job, in my relationship. That's right, my comfort comes from you, and then alone, right? And once you start to do these things, I think it actually helps. There's a couple texts that have led me to do this. One is Psalm 1, um, and it's, blessed is the man who meditates on his law day and night, and the text in Colossians, um, where it says, set your minds on things above. And so if you would with me, this is something that's really encouraged my heart is, Father, help me find my comfort in you alone. Um, this is something that I do with our students. Um, so I thought it'd be fun to do with you guys. So this is the way that I pray at the end. I, I just open my hands, and I just say this for us. So this is my prayer. Father, help me find my comfort in you alone. Amen.